Welcome back to Tea Time Reports, everybody. It's Brandon here with you, and yes, you guys see the title. You know what it is. It's long, long, long overdue, but I'm back with you, bringing you another Windy City Reports episode from my beloved Chicago Bears. It's been way too long. Uh, I apologize. I, I really do. I kept saying it was coming out. It was coming out. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And I just kept getting to the point where I was going to record and bring it out to you guys and time and time again I just found myself completely burnt out from trying to gather all my notes trying to gather all my materials completely just sucked into this toxic state that some of the Bears community still is and a lot of what it was throughout this entire season like just whether it's being on Twitter, being on Facebook, being on these these sites, these pages, these communities, trying to interact with other Bears fans, trying to pick the minds of other Bears fans, get news, updates, whatever it might be, get other insights. It was just taking such a toll on me, man. It, I might sound weird or like you don't understand what I'm saying, but like other sports fans that have been in this moment, they understand. It's easy to get sucked into that. And when you have everything that transpired throughout this season for the Bears at the start of it with how bad it started with Fields, then the whole entire offseason, all the pressure that led up into the season, then the collapse week two and three, then you have the whole defensive coordinator situation, then everyone's calling for Ibaflus's head, everyone's calling for Gatsy's head. Everyone thinks that this team is in turmoil, the freaking headquarters get raided by the FBI. It was just one thing after another. Then, of course, the Bears and Justin Fields were living up to their inconsistently or their consistently inconsistent play. And now you look at where we're at now. You look at what this team has been through. It's you got to give them their credit, man. It's very special and it's very amazing to just witness this before our eyes. But back to what I was saying, that just. Throughout all of that, and not even to mention the whole quarterback thing, Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, we're going to have the number one pick, this and that. It was just so deteriorating because at, like, instead of just coming together as a fan base and trying to root for your team to just be successful and win games, everyone's just coming at each other's heads about Justin or about Caleb and who's better and why and what quarterback we need to have for next year. And if you still stick with Fields, you're this. And if you like uh, Caleb Williams, you're that. And it's just, oh, my God, it was terrible. Like, is, is, Are other fan bases really like this? Are they? I, I struggle to believe that that's really the case. Whether or not you like the quarterback, whether or not you want somebody else Whatever direction you want your team to go, you're wanting them to go in that direction to be successful, to eventually win a Super Bowl and bring you that happiness as a fan, everything that you desire. It, it, it shouldn't matter how you want to get there as long as you just want to get there. And I think, and that's just how passionate Bears fans are, but they were just letting that passion blindly just turn them into these fucking heathens. It's, it's terrible out there. So I had to remove myself to be able to just enjoy Bears football as a fan the way I used to be able to. And yes, you know, it was up and down season. We had a lot of highs. We had a lot of lows. We're still going to finish with a losing record, not in the playoffs. But that wasn't the expectation. 
I said this team was going to win six games this year. They won seven on the verge of winning eight. You know, like that's a success. That's an improvement. We had three wins last year. Three wins last year. Now we have seven on the cusp, on the cusp of eight. And I'm not even going to get into yet those three games that we blew double-digit leads in in the fourth quarter and we're 10-6 and six in the playoffs. But I'm going to get into that. But now that I've been able to remove myself and do that and come back to you guys as a rejuvenated, revitalized fan of this team, and especially w- with what they've been doing and what they've been providing us as of late, I'm back. I'm better than ever. I'm ready to bring it to you guys. I, I do apologize, though. It, it's not cool of me to do that. I felt bad for it the entire time, leaving you all hanging. But, you know, I just I had to do what was best for me, and I know you guys all understand that. However, in the time that I've been away from providing you guys this content, the Bears are 5-4 and four since the last episode that I did. And this team, honestly, in my opinion, has given me and has given us as Bears fans one of the more memorable and interesting seasons in the last five plus years. The only season that comes close is the 2018 season. But besides that, date met to 10, 15 years, you know, that this is really the best that we've had. Everything that has gone into it, whether it's Fields or DJ Moore or the way that this defense has been playing now, the Montez Sweat trade, Jalen Johnson's playing like the best corner in all of football. There's so many things to pick apart with this season and with this team that are so positive. And there's way more positives than they are negatives. And you wouldn't think that was the case from the way that the media and the way that everybody else portrays this team. And I think that just goes to show how tight-knit of a group this team is, how tight-knit of a locker room this team is, the culture that they have. And that starts with Poles and that starts with Eberflus. It, it does. And I, I'm going to have lots to get into with Flus in this episode, so please stay tuned to that. But you would have never, ever, ever, ever thought coming into that week 18, 20 minutes before kickoff against the Packers to end the season, that this Bears team would be where they're at right now. With Justin Fields playing the way he is. Coming back from his injury, we're 4-2. We're averaging 25 points a game. He's averaging just under uh, just under 270 total yards per game. He's balling out. He's not turning the ball over. He's making smart decisions. He's throwing with anticipation. He's throwing with timing. And he's damn well making it a hard choice and playing for his case to be the Bears quarterback for the rest of his career. He wants to be, I want him to be, the fan base wants him to be, and it's all uh, it's all in his hands. And we're going to see within hours from now, and we're going to have a lot more insight on that, on that answer, on that question, but we're not going to get an answer from this game. We shouldn't, at least. If this is one game, this is one game, and if you let this one game determine the outcome, whether we lose 40 nothing, whether we win 40 nothing whether Justin Fields throws three interceptions or three touchdowns. This game should only have a sub-5% impact on the decision going forward with Fields, with Getsy, whether or not we get rid of them, whether or not we keep them. But however, that does not take away how important this game is. That does not take away the chance that Justin Fields has in front of him, the opportunity that he has in front of him. He... I'm sure a lot of you have seen the the Kyle Brandt speech on his show about Justin Fields to Justin Fields. Not about Justin Fields, to Justin Fields. I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it. That has never gotten me so excited for a game than it has now. For a player than it has now. For a moment than it has now. And 
I don't think Kyle was trying to do this, but the fact that it got the attraction and the publicity and the numbers that it did, it's added almost like an artificial um, expectation and pressure to this game that should already be there, of course. Being the Packers game, Week 18, we have the chance to knock him out of the playoffs, but the way he summed it up was perfect. Like the, Justin Fields is playing for his future as a Chicago Bear. Now, if you're Ryan Poles and coming from the front office perspective, I think they already have their mind made up. And like I said, this game should not determine one way or the other. But for Justin Fields, imagine, you know, like this dude can legitimately make himself a Chicago Bear legend. This is very similar to what Derrick Rose and the Chicago Bulls had and were on the cusp of having. And I think this is something that is right along those lines and best case scenario can be that homegrown city moving type of team and culture for the next foreseeable five to ten years summed up and being a legend for the Chicago Bears and I think Kyle Brandt did that perfectly and man if you have not seen that please 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 do yourself a favor and go watch that but once again for the second year in the row this Chicago Bears team is going to be at the center of the sports world regardless of what the outcome of this game is today for the next three or so months, we're on the clock. All the eyes are on us. If we thought all the eyes were on us last year, that's going to be elevated to a completely different level this year. The way that Caleb Williams is held compared to how Bryce Young was held. People were saying Bryce Young was a generational talent. People were getting excited over Bryce Young's tape for last year. We got DJ Moore, Darnell Wright, Tyreek Stevenson, the number one pick for this year in a 2025 second round pick for Bryce Young. Imagine what we could get for Caleb Williams. Imagine. And that's why, once again, we are the most interesting story, the most interesting team, and we're the center of the sports world for the next foreseeable months because of that reason, because of that trade, which I think will go down as the greatest trade in NFL history, especially if it turns into what I want to be Marvin Harrison, an uh, offensive tackle, or like Jared Burch or something. This team builds up even more with that hole and puts up a roster like the Niners and has Justin Fields just play like a Brock Purdy in that system, but even better because he's more talented. You know what I'm saying? Like just, ooh, just imagine, man. And that's what I've been looking forward to, and that's why this season is so much more of a success than it is a failure. But Bears fans, they lose sight of that. A lot of people, the media, they lose sight of that. And I'm going to go back to it. Like I said, we've blown three games this year against the Lions, the Browns, and the Broncos where we were up by two possessions in the fourth quarter. If we win those games, we're 10-6 and six with a chance to win 11 games after winning just three last year. Not a single fucking soul is talking about Justin Fields and this whole quarterback situation. And, oh yeah, we still have the number one pick. We would be in the playoffs, 11 wins, Eight more wins in the season before, and we would have the number one overall pick. Like, just put that into perspective for a second. We're quite literally doing what the Lions did last year, but we're set up for even more success. You know? And it just goes to show how crazy the NFL really is at the end of the day. And how something as small as just three blown leagues have completely shaped such a narrative that would be non-existent right now if it wasn't for those blown leagues. Like, 
it's just it's mind blowing. It really is. But that's why we love it. That's why we're fans of this sport, of any sport in general. And I just I love that we're able to just be here in this moment presently to see how this folds un- unfolds uh, to see how this unfolds. I cannot wait whether it's good or bad. I'm just very, very excited to see how this unfolds for the next five to ten years, because Ryan Poles has done an absolute masterclass of a job at the general manager position. And I envy the position that he is in because, man, this is like this is some shit that I would be playing Madden franchise as a kid growing up trying to get in positions like this, you know, with my franchise going through an offline game mode. And now he's just living that in real life. It's crazy. Now, as far as the offseason goes and going back to why this game still matters is because of guys like Luke Dexy. Um, it's one of those things where he's sort of tied to Justin Fields in a way, you would think. I know a lot of people feel that way, and whether or not if, if Fields is here next year, then that might mean that Getsy's here next year. But if Getsy's gone, then Fields most likely is gone again because you don't want to give him another offensive coordinator. And you know they have chemistry one-on-one as men together. Like, that sounds a little gay. Let me pause. But you know what I mean. Like, as a quarterback and, and an offensive coordinator, they have chemistry. And Luke Getsy does nothing but just rave about Justin Fields and who he is as a player and a person but like I said it, it, it goes back to this game still is a standalone game only like five or ten percent of this maybe even less should matter in the overall decision and that's still a lot five to ten percent is still a lot <coughs> however I don't want Luke Etsy here anymore I, I don't he overstayed his welcome after three weeks Especially after last year, too, I was like, okay, I got to give him the benefit of the doubt. New weapons coming in this season. The way that he introduced himself to this season and introduced DJ Moore, that almost just wrote me off to him in the start. Now, I want to get to Coach Eberflus because I was one of those people that were calling for his head and his job five, six weeks into the season. And, and I'll be the first to admit that I was... I was wrong. I think I was wrong about him. And a lot of it might have been due to my just blind hatred to the fact that Getsy was there and he was Eberflus' guy. And it's like, what the fuck are you thinking? And this and that. But still, a lot of Eberflus' coaching decisions and the way that he speaks at the podium. I think he's a great coach that just isn't meant to be a head coach, if that makes sense. Like, the players love him. He has built such a good culture and just really gelled this locker room together to where it's them and nobody else. Like, they don't let anything from the outside phase them. And that has to start with Flus and the job that he's done. The players are bought in. The players love him. They all have nicknames from him now. And you can just you can tell by the vibe and the culture that they've created there and the way that he's completely just changed that defense around. Yes, of course, with the help of the addition of Montez Sweat. However, he's got to take a lot of that credit. And he really, truly has grown on me. He, he really has. Now, I still think he's lackluster in some areas when it comes to important decisions as a head coach throughout the games and being too conservative with some calls and whatnot and taking his foot off the gas. But it's like you got to take the good with the bad. You know, that's the reality of it. Not everybody's perfect. And like I said, he's really, truly grown on me. And my perspective on him has completely flipped. It, It really has. And I hope it stays that way. I hope he doesn't give me any more reason to switch back. But from from here on out, I... I'm going to say it now. I'm on record. I am a supporter of Flus, And I started out that way originally. I mean, the first episode of this installment was me clowning that guy. 
who from CBS who did the power rankings of Flus as the number 32 overall head coach, and then I'm halfway through the season on another Windy City Reports episode. Like, damn, I kind of I need to apologize to that guy because he was right, you know. But now I'm back to where I'm at, and that just shows you, of course, how much opinions can change and perspectives can change throughout a long NFL season. But this is just one of those seasons as well where it's just like a week to week league, you know. And that's how it's been with Eberflus as well. But specifically over the last month and a half to two months, he has really shown some growth as a person, a coach, and the way that this team has just formed around him and rallied behind him is, is special. And it, you, the players do nothing but rave about him. The players do nothing about uh, do nothing about do nothing but excuse me rave about the culture and the way that it just feels there it feels different and when you have a guy like eddie jackson that's been there this whole time say that it's felt like it hasn't felt like this since 2018 2019 then you really know something special is going on and why would you want to break this up why 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 would you want to break this up right now i know it's such a tough decision and there's so much that goes into it but that's something you have to take into account the way that this locker room is gelled around one another, the way that they rally behind Fields, the way that they rally behind Flus, the way that they have built something and they have this momentum going into next season and season going forward, that's got to take a lot into account for the decision that Ryan Poles has to make. I really do feel like that is the case. And But going back to this defense, though, holy shit. We now lead the NFL in turnovers. We lead the NFL in interceptions. And that's crazy to think that we only had like three interceptions after like six or seven weeks, you know. But also goes to show once again that addition of Montez Sweat and how fucking pivotal that's been. And how all these people are just eating their words now. I'm like clowning us for that trade. It makes no sense, blah, blah, blah. Now look at yourself. I don't think anyone could have predicted this, but holy shit, man, is it fun to watch. Jalen Johnson, Tyree Stevenson, those guys are studs on the back end. Jaquan Brisker has really turned his season around. Someone I thought really had a slow start to the season. Eddie Jackson's even been playing like his old self again. Javon Dexter has been making a huge impact on the defensive line. Right now, he's PFF ranked like top three, top two amongst all rookie defensive tackles right now. That's better to, better than Kalaja Tansy, better than Jalen Carter. You know, TJ Edwards is having an all-pro season. It's It's been very, very fun to watch on the defense individually. Tyreek Stevenson had two interceptions. He was NFC Defensive Player of the Week last week against Atlanta as well. And it just goes to show that this team could have just got on their hands and knees and just got in the field position and balled up and cried and just gave up this season because – that's how bad it was. That's really how bad it was. And they're like, no, fuck this. This is who we are. This is what we're going to do. And they're going to show it. And that's what they have done. Nothing but show it. And, you know, that's led to Montez Sweat getting a nod to the Pro Bowl now. Jalen Johnson's getting a nod to the Pro Bowl. Even though TJ Edwards definitely got snubbed. Definitely got snubbed. Um, DJ Moore, you can argue, got snubbed. But that's a, that's a tough, tough top six receiver group to try to crack into, man. But it's just one of those things where... The Pro Bowl doesn't really matter anymore. You know, like, would you rather have three All-Pros or six Pro Bowls? I'd rather have the three All-Pros. You know, that I feel like that matters a lot more, especially nowadays with what the Pro Bowl is and, and, and how it's become. But the fact that we got some 
some some Pro Bowl love on defense now. The league's taking notice. The players are taking notice. The fans are taking notice. This team's going to be a problem, man. And if this team was one of those teams that could sneak into the playoffs, they would be classified as that dangerous team that nobody wants to play right now. And I believe that. And I think we're going to see that today when the Bears beat the Packers in Lambeau Field and we knock them out of the playoffs just like the Detroit Lions did last year in Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Green Bay Packer. With that being said, I think that's a perfect transition into the preview for this game. The Bears coming into Lambeau Field week 18. I've already prefaced everything and how big of a game this is. Right now, they're underdogs by three points. Their total points this game is like 20. I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to put over 20 points. Now, I'm going to be focused on and looking at how Justin does against the zone scheme of this Green Bay Packers defense. This Green Bay Packers defense is talented individually-wise, but over the last couple months, they have not been playing good at all. Their defense, their secondary specifically, has been very, very poor. Jair Alexander is back after a one-game suspension. However, back to what I was saying, they play a lot of zone scheme. They keep their eyes on the quarterback. They don't play man and turn their back to the quarterback because that's the last thing you can do whenever you play Justin Fields. So this game today for Justin is going to be about his rhythm and his timing. And throughout Justin's career, you look at his strengths, his weaknesses. His weaknesses typically are his timing and his rhythm. So we're really, really going to need to see that growth today specifically because if I see Justin Fields go out there and and beat the Packers today, more so with his arm and his timing and his throws and his legs and the game plan and our running game, that's going to give me, and I, I really think Ryan pulls the final nail in the coffin to this guy is our quarterback for the foreseeable future, and we're trading that number one pick, and we're going to take a Marvin Harrison, we're going to take a Roman Dunze, then top it off with a Jared Verse in that top ten, then continue to build around this roster with some nice offensive line pick and some nice um, depth at receiver and running back throughout those later rounds and just just wait. I, I, I really think that this team will be the Lions of next year. I really do. And, you know, Prohl's inaugural press conference was we're going to take the North and never give it back. And this is Justin Fields' moment. This is Justin Fields' opportunity today to really start that right now you beat the Packers today you really just can set yourself up for next year to where you can really okay we beat the Lions twice this year we let me take that back we beat we played better than the Lions in both games this year beat them once then blew the lead in the other game we beat Minnesota on the road a couple weeks ago now we end the season off beating the Packers three straight divisional games knocking the Packers out of playoffs we're heading into next season wholeheartedly thinking this is the year we take the North and we're never going to give it back. And that's spurred by Justin Fields' opportunity to cement himself as a legend in this game. Week 18, Lambeau Field against the Packers. I, I wholeheartedly believe that way. And I think that's going to happen today. And that's also where I'm going to end it off because the kickoff here is in 10 minutes and I'm not missing that. Thank you all so, so much for tuning back into this Windy City Reports episode. We're going to have another episode a week from the day. That's just going to sum up the entire season, go over all the stats, all the storylines, and just set us up for a huge, huge, huge offseason that could potentially shape the future and the overall trajectory of this franchise for the next 10 to 15 years. This is Brandon with Tea Time Reports. As always, stay awake, take care. I'm signing off.
peace.